Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to episode number, I think it's 32 of the Basketball Card Podcast, the fourth episode uh, since our uh, great and glorious return. I am your host, Adam. You can find me on Instagram at TheReal27Guy and uh, at The27Guy in other places. Um, welcome to to the podcast, and thank you, uh, the, those of you who are listening and have listened the last few weeks. Last week was, or I think it's been a couple weeks ago now, was easily the best um, listenership, if that's a word that we've had so far. Um, several hundred people actually listened to the episode, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, yeah, so thank you for, for coming and listening. Uh, my busy season is officially over. I had probably six weeks where I was just uh, working to the bone and doing everything that I could to get through it, but I got through it, and so here I am, and glad I can do an episode today. Um, for those of you who have been enjoying the episodes, I would invite you, with all the kindness of my heart, to uh, like, uh, to repost, to um, to rate the the podcast, and if you do, everyone will like you, and you will have many friends. Okay, um, Today's topic, I think, is going to be a really fun one. We're going to do a uh, to do a retrospective of the 2012-2013 Prism Basketball set, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. But I want you guys to know first that we actually have our first guest here ever on the show today to help me to do this episode. This uh, this guest that's here is extremely knowledgeable. When it comes to many things, just ask him. He will tell you how knowledgeable he is. Um, he is uh, an avid card collector, um, and he's easily the coolest nine-year-old kid that I know and probably the coolest nine-year-old kid in the world. And I'm going to let him introduce yourself. Uh, this, of course, is my son, Aaron. Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, happy to be here. Um, I'm Aaron Gray. I'm nine years old, and... Um, excited to be here. Um, just a couple of my hobbies, playing with Legos, collecting cards, well, collecting anything really. Um, I like to play video games like every nine-year-old does who doesn't. Um, I hate tomatoes and that's all I can really think I can tell. How has your life changed since the coronavirus? Um, a ton, like... Um, staying home, being quarantined, it's pretty weird. Definitely the craziest year of my life in March is definitely the craziest month of my life. Been a crazy year. You looking forward to your birthday party here in a couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. He's nodding, which is hard to see through the through the microphone. But, <laughs> but um, I'm hoping it can be as good as every year, so... I think that'll be interesting. It's uh, it's hard to have a birthday party in the middle of all of this craziness that the world's going through right now. But you guys have to know, Aaron is one of the coolest kids you could ever imagine. He uh, he's always kind. He's, I guess he he sometimes picks on his sisters, but he is just uh, every what every father wants in a son. He's a great kid, and he's taken an interest recently in cards more than he has in the past and he and I have been doing some projects together and having a lot of fun doing it and now that 
my busy season is over and I get to spend a little bit more time just sort of relaxing and doing things together, we're going to do a lot of things together and we're excited about that. So today we're going to go through the 2012-2013 PRISM product and uh, I'm super excited about this. So uh, let's do this. First, I'm going to give... Um, First, I'm going to give a, a really brief history of what happened before PRISM, when PRISM got here, what's happened since, and then I'm going to go into the product and its specifics, and Aaron's going to help me a lot in that process. So, Aaron, are you ready for that? Yeah. Okay, here we go. So, prior to PRISM, Prism you kind of have to know two things. One is that from 1993 to... Uh, 2009 when Panini took over there was always a very popular prismatic or chromium type card 1993 introduced us to finest which had the first refractor cards and was really the first ultra premium set in the history of basketball cards it came to baseball first then later to basketball and it was around really ever since then with just a couple of years that were skipped in the middle um, along with Finest, though, after uh, 93 and 1996, we were introduced to Topps Chrome and later, later Stadium Chrome and, and 96 Bowman's Best and all sorts of other Chromium products that the Topps company created. These were very popular, especially amongst or for rookie collectors and for parallel collectors. The parallel of the rookie has always been known as one of the best cards in the hobby, and it's something that uh, has been highly collectible now for literally 27 years, 27, it always comes back as a number 27. So yeah, it's been 27 years since it's, since they've come out and they've been very popular. Well, 2009, 2010 happened and that was the famous Steph Curry, James Harden, Blake Griffin rookie class. And those rookies were very popular. They're numbered to 999. They were made just before Panini took over. Panini took over, Panini had their traditional brands from football and baseball, things like National Treasures and Certified and Don Russ products. And those things were, some of those things were pretty popular, but there was definitely something missing. And the thing that was missing was a Chromium card. So a few years later, in 2012, Panini did something different. They actually created their first chromium type card and their first chromium brand ever was 2012 prism 2012 prism was good looking and you know i won't get i won't get into all the details of that i'm going to come back to that in a second but i want to just i wanted to mention they, they came out with prism later in the year they came out with select they came out with spectra and they came out with later optic and all these different types of versions of cards around the chromium cards and that combined with the grading craze has created over the course of these last three or four years just this wild um, exuberance for all things chromium card from panini and even down to base base cards that are derived from from that the, all of it is, is has really seen a huge bump in um, not only in value, but in popularity and in, in airspace. And here we are today talking about it some more. Um, it's now you know April of 2020, and still prismatic chromium-type cards are, are the rage. We don't know how long they will be for, maybe forever, maybe not for very long. But the purpose of this today, of this episode today, is to, to go back in time a little bit, to go back eight years ago, and or seven and a half years ago now to when when prism actually came out and to talk about what what is different about them 
And like I said, I'm going to have Aaron help me to do that. And uh, hopefully you guys, hopefully there's something from this episode that, that jumps out to you uh, that, that you learn about, about the history of the cards. So let's talk first about my, my first experience with the set. In 2012, uh, the card shop that I used to work at was still open, House of Cards in Salt Lake City. And um, I went into the card shop and I saw a box of cards on the shelf and it was $95 a box, something like $5 a pack for six cards. And it was called Prism Basketball. I had seen it on uh, the internet selling and I thought this is kind of a cool product. I pulled the cards out and um, I, I looked closely at them and they reminded me a lot of Topps Chrome. Uh, that was my first thought. The thing that I noticed that was a little bit different than Topps Chrome is I, I did notice that the, the prism was significant, the, the start, the cardstock was significantly thicker. Um, it's easy for for those of us to who don't collect Chrome nowadays to kind of forget that, but prism is, is a lot thicker than, than, than Chrome is. It has a sturdier feel to it. And I initially looked at it and I thought, this is really interesting. The next thing I wanted to know was what are the hits? What comes out of each each box? Well, the main draw of 2012 Prism was that the 2011 season had not introduced any rookies. So Kyrie Irving's rookie class, none of those guys had rookie cards in 2011, creating a dual rookie class for 2012 and 13. The reason that they skipped this year was because there was a lockout and it didn't make a lot of sense for them to try to shove all the rookies they could into one year. So I think Panini said, you know what we'll do? We'll still make cards in 2011. They made a few, a few sets, but we're not going to make any rookies. And then we're going to just load up rookies and all the stuff for 2012. And this proved to be a really great decision uh, by Panini. Um, all of the all of the RPAs and all the big sets also have two have both rookie classes, both the Kyrie Irving rookie class and the Anthony Davis rookie class. Those are the number one picks. Um, other names in those years that are really important are guys like Clay Thompson and Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler. And do you think anybody else? Jimmer Fredette, the great Ennis Cantor. Derek Williams, Alec Burks, a lot of really good guys came out of those that came out of those uh, sets and uh, out of those drafts, um, and a lot of stars uh, came out. A lot of guys that we haven't mentioned, guys like Kimball Walker. So it was a really important year, and uh, the first the first uh, really lowish end set, chromium set that they came out with was Prism. A box had. Uh, there, there are two types of boxes, and we're going to talk primarily about hobby box, but we'll talk about we'll talk about both of them here in a second. A hobby box had 24 packs per box and six cards per pack, and the overwhelming majority of the cards in the box were just the base cards. They weren't inserts, they weren't parallels. In fact, in each box, you only averaged two parallels, two silver cards. And we're going to talk about we're going to talk about those in a second. I'm, I'm going to let Aaron look at him and, and have him describe to us what he sees. Um, you also got two inserts, two autographs, and um, on a very rare occasion, maybe once or twice per case, you would get a gold card that would be serial numbered 
to twenty to, or to ten. The other thing that you could get with, that would be serial number would be a silver autograph, which are numbered to twenty-five, and we're going to talk about those as well. But the first thing that we're going to talk about is uh, the base card. Oh, you know, what? sorry, I forgot one thing. The thing that we forgot is I've, I've now I've described what the hobby boxes look like. Those are the boxes that you would get from from uh, a card store. But if you wanted to get a box of retail um, from like a Walmart or a Kmart or something like that, the box breakdown was a little bit different. Um, and uh, I don't actually know all the details off that on those off the top of my head, but I'll talk about a little bit of it here in, in, in a little bit. But for now, let's actually look at each of the cards. And I've, I've taken just a few cards, um, and I'm going to have Aaron look at each one of them and describe them. So, Aaron, the first thing I'm going to hand you here, this is a base card. Do you want to tell, tell us what you see? Um, there's a chrome finish, and like my dad said, um, it's definitely sturdy. It's a sturdy card. Um, it's definitely shiny. I've got a friend at school who goes crazy for shiny cards, especially Prism. He loves Prism. Um, very beautiful card. I just love how the color is. Um, it doesn't refract in any way. I was just going to ask you whether it refracted. You read my mind. Yeah, it doesn't really refract. It's kind of like a mirror a little yeah, bit. Yeah. You can That's almost. probably why my friend likes it. You can almost like see yourself in it. Oh, I can see myself right now. <laughs> um. Turn it, turn it around. So, see how it's card number 24? Yeah. The base set is actually numbered to 300. And I think the first 200 cards are all veteran players. And then there's like, maybe it's 150. I don't, I don't remember. Then there's, then there's like 50 or 100 retired players. And then I think the last 50 cards in the set are rookies. So the big, the big actual like chase for this set at the time was the rookies. And so, um, like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you two things that I did. I actually, at different points, I bought fifty one at a time, fifty Anthony Davis rookies, and fifty Kyrie Irving rookies. I paid about four dollars each, and then I sold the lot of fifty in both cases for a thousand dollars. So I bought, I bought them each for five bucks, and I sold them each for twenty bucks. So this was my first introduction to Prism. I thought my thought on it was they made so much of this stuff. It's not going to hold its value in the long term, but in the short term, I could make a quick, I could make some quick money on it, and so I did pretty well with it. But those are just the base cards that I did that with. I just realized one more thing. Tell me. So this is a Kobe, and this is one his number is twenty-four, and it's card number twenty-four. It's cool so how they did that. Yeah, that's cool. If you look back at the set, they did a few of those types of things. They, do you know who the number one card is in the set? Hmm. Take Jordan. Jordan's not in the set because it was way after his, oh, he retired. Yeah. He's never been in a Panini card at some Panini set, actually. That's sad. Yeah, that's okay. So, any other guesses who number one would be? Take one more guess. Mm, Jimmer? Jimmer, no. <laughs> You're going to make some people laugh with that comment. I like that. The number one card in the set was LeBron, which is interesting because although he wasn't a Panini guy, Panini wanted to put, they wanted to put like the key player there on the front of the set. You would think. So the number one card is a LeBron card where he's in his heat uniform, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But thanks for talking about the base card. So in the average box, you get, see if you can do this mental math real quick, 24 packs times six cards per pack. What's 24 times six? That would be 100 and 
Sorry, can you repeat the question? 24 times 6. What's 25 times 6? Wait, I think I can... So, 4 times 6 is um, 24. And then um, 20 times 6 is 120. So, it would be 144. That's my kid right there. Good job. Yeah, so there's like... I, I, think, I, think, I'm, I think I'm saying this right. There's a chance... Uh, gosh, there's a chance that there's five cards per pack now that I think about it. But um, I was looking at the calculations the other day. I should have looked at them again in preparation for the episode, but wanted to do it while we had the chance. The bottom line is this. There are a hundred and some odd cards in each box. In each box, almost every card is just a simple prism card that looks like that. You get a good percentage of the set, but you don't get all of the set in each box, because you can do the math, even if it's 150, you're not gonna get anywhere near the 300 cards. You get a few special cards in each pack, or in each box. That was in Optic, and that's that's a newer set, but but there's a few basic insert cards that you could get, and you would get two of those per box. Those are called things like, one of them's called the USA set, has all 12 of USA players. Um, they don't, the, inter- the interesting thing about the inserts in Prism is they're not like ultra well-renowned, they don't look, especially in the original prism, they don't have a lot of like different feel to them. They almost look like they should be like part of the base set. So there's the USA cards, that there's 12 of them, and then there's downtown bound, there's MVPs, um, there's finalists. I think that's it. There might be one or two more, but they're not they're not really super they're not super popular. The USA is probably the most popular of them, and you would get two of those cards per box out of your 140 whatever cards it is, you'd get two of those. You would also get two silver cards. Now I'm gonna hand you a silver card real quick and describe to everybody what you're looking at. Um, so it refracts. Who's the player, first off? Steph, Steph Curry. Cool. Um, let me see, number 72, not 30. <laughs> So it's card number 72, and it really refracts, right? Mm-hmm. And That's why I love Prism. That's really, and you like that, right? You yeah. like the rainbow effect. You know as a nine-year-old what refract means in terms of cards. Who and doesn't love the refraction? Everybody loves, everybody loves that, right? And it just adds a really nice sort of soft glow to it that people like. People like being able to see all the colors. Even colorblind guys like me like, like seeing that right so anything else that you want to tell them about this specific card um, that you're holding here well it's created by psa um it's a gem mint t- so it's 10 um super pretty prettier than the kobe cool yeah. although not a better player although not a better player but ah, steph's pretty steph's good man um I like kobe more. yeah well i like them both okay so you get two of those silver cards in each hobby box and um there have been people who have looked at the, the number of boxes. So there's a thread on Blowout, and I will um, I will mention this a couple of times. This thread is of a guy who watched. He said he watched a thousand prison breaks. Let's say he only watched a hundred. That's still a, a statistically significant amount. And he watched them, and what he watched for was a few things. He watched for how many silvers came out. So this is just called a silver. He watched for how many silvers came out. He watched for how many inserts came out. And then here's the important part. He watched for how many 
gold cards came out. Out of these hundred cases of cards that he watched, he watched for how many golds came out. And the great thing about the golds is that because they're serial numbered, you can take the number of golds that came out in each case and you can actually figure out using math and using some of that algebra stuff I was teaching you, or we've been talking about, you can figure out approximately how many silvers are in, are in circulation. And so as he did this, he discovered that there are about 180 silver cards total of each player. So this Steph card that you just looked at, there's probably another 179 of that exact same card in existence. And in today's, today's um, numbers, that's a pretty big number actually. It's a big enough number so that anyone who really wants one is gonna be able to find one. But it's a small enough number on a key set like this that it's not super easy. Like that stuff card right there, I've gotten a couple of different people who are interested in that. And I have a couple of LeBrons too. And that one, that one that we'll talk about in a little bit is the most, is the most popular silver from the set. Not only because he's the most popular player, but because it's the number one card in the set. It's his, probably his only key iconic Miami Heat card. And it kind of represents a change. It represents the change from Upper Deck and Clear and those old companies to Panini. Um, Panini, this Panini stuff that came out before 2012, very little, little of that is really considered iconic, especially because 2011 had hardly any cards. It's all really that stuff from 2010. Oh, you know what? I just realized I misspoke earlier in the episode. I said 2009. No, I did. I said it right. 2009 was the first Panini set. Yeah, that was the Harden Curry year. 2010 was Hayward and Cousins and those guys. So anyway, that's that's the silvers. There's two of those. Okay, now I'm going to show you the next the next card that you would get a couple of in every box. Describe what you're looking at now. So it's another Kobe. Doesn't refract. It's still really pretty. Although the big difference is, um, well, here's the second biggest. I'll go from second to number one. So it is graded by Beckett. Oh, and, and don't worry about it being graded, but... Talk about what's different about the card itself. Oh, the grading's different. Yeah, but tell me about the tell me about the card itself. Okay, the main difference that you can just pick out right as you see it is it's um it is um autographed. Right. So you see Kobe's autograph big and bold on there, right? And it's a great autograph. And it, it is a really cool autograph. So so is the autograph on a sticker or is it on the card? On card. Here's what's interesting about that. Panini made the decision to, to, to um, insert two autographs in each box. And almost all of those autographs are on stickers. And they do that today with, with Panini cards. But Panini elected in its initial prism to put, I believe it's three players on the card. So they had three players sign the actual card. You know one of them's Kobe. Do you know who the other two are? Um, LeBron. LeBron doesn't sign Panini cards. I'll just tell you. The other two that I know of are Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie was a rookie. So, so he, Kyrie was... Uh, a key player. Uh-huh, and, and I believe Kyrie was, was on card. I might be wrong about that, I but I, pr- I think he is. One more thing. You notice the sticker on the back? That. Oh, yeah. 
the sticker on the back is um, is actually just there for all Kobe autographs. So thank oh. you for thank you for pointing that out. Um, but, That's cool. Yeah. And there's a sticker. Yeah. So they, it's like he wanted to sort of authenticate on his own what was signed by him and what wasn't. So he's the only player that I know of who's ever done that. He has that number 24 sticker on all of his autographs, I think, in the Panini era. Um, but, yeah, it's autographed. There were two of these a box. And so that was really everything that you were guaranteed in a box. Two inserts that were kind of dopey. Two silvers that refract but were thought of as regular refractor cards that are basically or basically limited to 180 and a couple autographs and most of the autographs were not very good and were on stickers okay now there's two other last types of cards that i want you to look at and i want you to tell me what you think of them and why don't you describe what you're looking at now okay this one is also signed by kobe although um a huge difference is um it refracts um, it's also on card. Still has the sticker on the back. Take a look at the back and see if you notice anything else that's different, too. Serial numbered. To what? 14 of 25. That's right. Wish it was 10 more. What's that? Wish it was 10 more. You serial me both, brother. Uh, he's saying he, wish it was, he wishes it was 14 plus 10, and then it'd be 24 of 25. That would be amazing. So, what you're looking at now is the Silver Prism autograph of Kobe Bryant from the original, from the original Prism. Uh, it is numbered to 25. The autograph is still on card. My uh, copy is graded a 10, which is obviously wonderful. That's the only one that's graded a 10. Everything it's else is almost a black, lower. too. It's almost a black. Centering 9.5. Centering will get it every time, yeah. But even in, it's it's just it's a great card. So, um, so yeah, it's it, it's just like the other one, except for it refracts and it's numbered to 25. This is another thing that if you watch over the course of 100 cases, you can find out how many, um, how many boxes or how many cases there are made of it. And this is the way that the poster on Blowout, I, I regret that I didn't look it up beforehand because I can't remember his name. This is how he was able to determine how many boxes approximately of retail were made. And that's important for some of our conversation that comes later on in this too, because if you know how many boxes came out, then you can derive how many things that are unnumbered are out there too. You can't get silvers in retail. I don't remember if you can get golds in retail. I can't remember that part of his of, of, of what he wrote, but I'm gonna go back and look at it. Um, but anyway, that takes us to the last thing, and I, I pulled out two examples of this. Uh, Aaron, tell us what you're looking at now. Um, a Jimmer and a Carl um, Gold. A Jimmer Fredette and a Carl Malone Gold, both are graded. 9.5. Um, Notice anything else? They're gold, of course. <laughs> um, let's look at the back. Both um, Carl Malone is numbered 6 to 10. Jimmer is 9 to 10, which is two less. Yeah. <laughs> so they're both serial numbered to 10. Otherwise, they look really similar to the other Prism cards, right? So these are called Parallels. Parallels mirror the base set. The base set looks exactly like that, except for it doesn't refract and it's not gold. The silvers are also parallels. They look just like that, except for they, they refract silver. And um, people sometimes use the words insert and parallels interchangeably, but they are different. A parallel 
is is something that looks just like the base set but has something that's different about it. There are as many cards in the parallel set as there are in the base set. So there are 300 gold cards. There are 300 silvers from the base set. There are also, and they're not, I don't have any here for you to look at, there are also silvers and golds of the insert cards. Those, the silver ones, are actually rarer than the out of 180. Uh, the poster on Blowout uh, determined that there were about 60 of each. So those are rarer. Now let me ask you a hard question. What's usually worth more, the thing that's rare or the thing that's more common? Um, rare. That's right. The rare thing is usually the thing that's worth more. Would you rather have a silver base card or a silver insert? The insert's rarer. Um, I think I'd rather have an insert. I think that makes sense, and that's why I walked you into that question the way that I did, because a lot of people feel that way. Although knowing you, it's a trick question. Knowing me, it is a trick question, and you're exactly right. The reason that the silver parallel, or sorry, ugh, the reason that the that the um, that the silver base card is worth more, even though it's more plentiful, is that people appreciate the base set. The base set is more iconic. It's more important. It's more key to a set collector, and uh, it's just more recognized. So if you have a chance at a silver LeBron James or a silver LeBron James downtown bound, I don't even know if he has that card, you take the base card every time because it is, it's just more wanted, it's more desired, it's got a higher demand. So I don't have any of those here, I don't collect any of those, although I am working on getting a gold card from one of the insert sets that I really like. And if I get it here in the next couple weeks, I will show it to you, obviously, and then you can take a look at it and you can understand why it's different. The, the thing about the golds, though, is that the golds across all 300 cards and then all 100 insert cards, there's 400 cards total, the golds are all numbered to 10. So the odds of pulling a gold LeBron James base is the same as, as pulling a gold Jimmer as the same as a gold LeBron James um, from one of the insert sets. They're all numbered to 10. So, math question time. There are 300 base cards, there are 100 inserts, and all of them have golds numbered to 10. How many golds from the original 2012 prism are there in the world? 100? No. <laughs> Let's try this again. There's 300 base cards in the set, there's 100 inserts. So how many total cards are there? 400. That's right. And how many and and how many golds are there of each of the 400 cards? Um 40? 10. Remember how you just looked at oh, yeah. the Carl Malone and the Jimmer Fredette? There's 10 of each of the 400, which well, makes So everybody has a gold card. So if there's 400 cards and each of them have 10 golds, how many gold cards are there? 3,000? 4,000. Oh. Yeah. So there's 300 base set golds, but then there's the 100 inserts. So oh. 400 times 10 is 4,000. So there's 4,000 golds in the whole world, right? And um, we have a couple of them that are here right now. They're significant because uh, if, you, if you collect a specific player, and you were like, hey, I want to go get the first gold prism of that player. There's only 10 of them, right? And uh, a lot of people want to do that. There, Just for reference, there was a gold prism that was shown off by a well-known member of the Instagram community. Um, he he actually posted it just today. It's a, He got a Bill Walton number to 10 
Um, do you know him? I do know Bill Walton. That's right. Um, and so the Bill Walton, um, I, if I said if there's any Bill Walton modern day card I'd go for, that was probably it. That would be the one I'd go for. But Bill Walton cards don't usually sell for $1,500. But that's what that one sold for. Because if you want a Bill Walton gold card, that's probably your only chance of getting it. So kind of cool, right? So it's a very popular set, and, and everybody everybody really loves the gold cards. You've also got a Mark, I mean, Mike Miller. I do have a Mike Miller, but that's from 2013. Okay, so where are, so that that is a very long breakdown of what you could get in each box. And, um, and what the stuff looks like. So in the end, there ends up being about 180 silvers. There's 75 silver autographs for everybody who has one. There's 10 golds for, for, for all 400 players. And when you back into the math, what you also find is that there are, this is just a big old estimate, um, but based on all the detail found within that article on Blowout, there are about 10,000 of every base card. So that Kobe that you were looking at at the very beginning, that's, that's pretty plain, there's about 10,000 of that card total. I'll let you decide whether that's a really big number or not. It's obviously far easier to get um, than than some of the other cards. But we're going to talk about we're going to talk about that and what some of those have done recently uh, here in just a second. Okay, so let's move on now to uh, a few of the other things that that we want to um, that we want to talk about. So the, the, the next thing I've written down in my notes is where are we today? Where we are today, I talked about this a little bit earlier in the episode, but where we are today is there are lots and lots of sets that are out there that are like Prism, that like Prism originally was. There is Prism. There is Optic. There is Spectra. There is Select. There is Mosaic. There is several. There are several um, offshoots of some of those as well. Like Prism has its own different types of sets. Um, there's a there's a set called White Sparkle. There's a and and they're parallels. Sometimes they're parallels and sometimes they're their own products. There's so much of it. It's become so popular and thousands of these cards are graded every day, and and so it's it's become more popular than ever. Well, if you look back, though, there's only one set that really was like at the beginning of all of this. And the beginning set of all of this is Prism with those 10,000 base cards, the 180 silvers, and the 10 golds. Do you have something you want to say? Yeah. What's it? What's that? So um, with the Kobe's, they're autographed when he puts 24. Mm-hmm. Um, did, when he had number eight, did he ever put number eight stickers? He didn't. In fact, he hasn't. He hasn't always put stickers on them, but he has in the Panini era. I can't remember if the first Panini Kobe cards had stickers on them or not, but that's a good question. Okay, so um, so yeah, it's it's a really important um, 2012 Prism ends up being a really important brand um, for those reasons that I was just saying. Um, the rookies, remember how we were talking about the rookies? Do you remember any of the rookies that I mentioned who were in the set who came out? Kevin Garnett? <laughs> when in doubt, just make a big old guess. Do you remember me mentioning um, Anthony Kawhi? Davis? Yeah, that's right. Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, 
Um, those rookies are all worth way more than when I sold them for $20 each. Uh, they are, they've done very, very well. In fact, um, if you want to go out, go out and buy like a regular Kawhi Leonard rookie card, you're going to spend many hundreds of dollars. For an ungraded one, even, you have to pay hundreds of dollars. For a PSA 10, you're paying a ton of money. Yes, you're showing me this stuff. How much for that? Um, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I always defer talking about the values of the things that I have. Um, uh, at least I try to because I don't want people to feel like I'm trying to increase the value in them. And a lot of people do that. They'll say they'll talk about their own cards and they'll say, "Oh yeah, it's got this and it's worth that," and they're trying to they're trying to convince the market that it's worth that. But congrats. Okay, so um, the same thing with Anthony Davis. The same thing with Kyrie Irving. Here's what's here's what's bad about Prism Gold, the original version. None of those guys is the face of the NBA. Kawhi Leonard's won a couple championships, and he was the MVP, the MVP, the Finals MVP for those championships. He's a big time player. He is not one of the most popular players in the world. He's not. He's not LeBron. Right? He's not Steph. He's not. He's not Kobe. He's not um, Jordan. He's not Jordan. He's not the key. Those guys aren't the key players. So that's the one thing that the original Prism lacks. Although it has a lot of amazing rookies, it doesn't have the key guy. Now, maybe Kawhi can still become that. Maybe Anthony Davis can still become that. One guy you're missing, though. Who? One last um, guy who's the face of the NBA hmm. is the NBA guy in the logo. What's his name? Jerry West? Yeah. I can't remember if he's in the original Prism. I think he probably is. Um, but that's, but yeah, that's not a modern player, right? Um, it doesn't, usually a product is driven, its value is driven by which key rookies are in it. And it has, Prism, the original Prism has a lot of key rookies. It doesn't have the key rookie. What's interesting is the key rookie in Prism came out the subsequent year. Do you know who was a rookie in 2013? Mm. Giannis. Can you say Giannis' last name for us? Giannis Antetokounmpo. There you go. So Giannis came out the next year, and the next year's probably right around the same quantity was produced as the first year, maybe a little bit more. But um, but if Giannis had been in the first year, oh man, oh man, that would have been a huge card. And if it would have been a splash. <laughs> and if it would have been a splash. Aaron really likes the splashes, as you can tell. The silvers have gained in popularity. I noticed on blowout cards, maybe about five years ago, people really started talking about the silvers a lot. And it has amazingly become one of the key cards, one of the key rookies of, of a lot of these players. And the 2012 Prism set, Prism Silver set in particular, has become one of the most popular sets out there. I saw last night as I was just looking through auctions, regular, everyday, average, you know, guys that were that, that were pretty good in the NBA, guys like um, Yao Ming. That that card will sell for almost 100 bucks in a silver, number to 180. Kevin Garnett, same thing, $100-ish. Dwayne Wade, $100-ish. So there's a lot of these guys that are like pretty normal names that sell for a lot of money out of the original Prism Silver set. So um, I think that's really cool. PSA 10s in particular just are amazing. They sell like incredibly well um, of anybody, but especially the big stars and especially of, of the, the Silvers. But that really takes us to the next thing that we've seen this last couple of weeks, which is there has been an incredible rise in the values of LeBron James regular 
Remember how I was looking at the right? Re- you were looking at the regular Kobe, regular LeBrons that look like that that are graded tens are selling for eight hundred to a thousand dollars. And I can say what they've sold for because I don't have those cards. And um, they, I remember when they were selling for fifty dollars each. Um, and a, a lot of us have been talking about it. Like, why? Why would that card? be selling for so much and um, there's definitely a lot of hype involved it's definitely something that a lot of people have talked about and so we're not helping that right now by talking about it right the more that you talk about it the more that you draw attention to it sometimes people will then say well I want to buy that everybody's talking about I'm not telling everybody to go out and buy it I don't own the card Um, but I started looking at it this week and I I in a different way and I'll tell you how I started looking at it in a different way I did that calculation of how many base cards there were, and I, I said to myself, you know what, 10,000 is a big number, but when you're talking about a card that is his most recognizable Panini card, his only iconic Miami Heat card, it's just, um, it's important. Like, it's an important card. 10,000 is still a giant number, but I can't think of a, a card to, to compare it to. I had two different um, card friends asked me to compare it to a Michael Jordan card and I realized that I couldn't there's no Michael Jordan card that compares Michael Jordan played for the Bulls for all the air for all of his career where he was winning championships and then he played for the for the Wizards for a little while afterwards and there's nothing from those Wizards years that that really changed the game there's nothing that was like unique and different that came out like, there's, was there's, he just as good as like Gordon was on oh team? he was still good Jordan was still good, and his cards from that era are still worth a lot, but there was no set, like, prism that came out that really changed the game. And nobody really his, – his, he does have some Wizards cards that are very popular, but they just aren't as iconic or as important as his Bulls cards. They're still highly collectible. But LeBron, when he got to the Heat, that's where he won two of his three championships. Like that's where he went to the finals two other times. Went to the finals four times in Miami. He won two championships there. And people don't want to talk about his Miami days because there's... Um, I think people want to talk about his Laker days. They want to talk about where he is now. I like the I liked him on the Heat. You liked him on the Heat? That was when the Heat were good. The Heat were good, and you liked the Heat. So, yeah. Um, but it's... The coming back to the card, the card is important, even the base card, because it represents like the the iconic Miami Heat LeBron James card. Guess how many LeBron James autographs he has in a Heat uniform? Hmm. Zero, because LeBron only signed for Upper Deck, and when Upper Deck lost their license, meaning they couldn't make cards anymore. Why not? Why not what? Why couldn't they make cards? Because Panini bought the rights to make NBA cards from the NBA. So LeBron doesn't have any autographs because he signed an autograph-only deal with Upper Deck. And Panini had the rights to make NBA cards. So Upper Deck never made a Miami Heat LeBron James card. They can't. It's illegal. And LeBron James can't sign for Panini because he has a deal with Upper Deck. So when you're looking for key LeBron James cards, you have to say, okay, between the year 2010 and I don't know what it is. 2000. He signs for Eminence. Nope. LeBron's signature is not Eminence. Really? Yeah. Hmm. 
So he doesn't sign for the. Um, he never for signs for Panini. He's never signed for for the Lakers. LeBron's last NBA card that was autographed was in a Cleveland Cavalier uniform the first time he was in Cleveland. So let me let me finish what I was saying though. Good question. But let me say what I was what I was gonna say. Um, he has cards in a Miami Heat uniform that are recognizable, but none of them are autographed. And so you have to if you if you're a Miami fan, you have to look at it and you have to say what key LeBron James cards are there out there that are where he's in a Miami Heat uniform where they are important for other reasons. So and the argument that I have made and I will continue to make is that 2012 Prism is the key product from that whole era. So I would argue that the key that, that LeBron James's Prism card from 2012 is his most important Miami Heat card. There's other cool cards like his flawless, his first flawless card. They're really cool. It's number 20. I would really like to own one of those. What about a splash? Is that a thing? He doesn't have, I mean, not from 2012. They didn't make Optic in 2012. Yeah, but this year? He might have one. I haven't looked at it. But that wouldn't be, be cool. that wouldn't be as a member of the Heat, though. That would be as a Laker. But that would be hard for me to get now because I'm collecting those purple splash. That's okay. We'll look for them and we'll see if we can find them. Um,. But yeah, so that's that's why that card ends up being ends up being really important. And there there are basically, this is all the levels. You've got um, ten golds of that card. You've got about a hundred greens, about a hundred and eighty silvers, and about ten thousand base. And that's it. That's all of those that can be chosen from. Most smart card guys that I know think that they're um, overvalued. They think that all of that stuff is overvalued. But here's what's interesting. I know other really smart card guys that disagree, that think that it's undervalued. And that's what makes for a good conversation. When really smart people are on both sides of a conversation, that's one that you need to look at and say, okay, what do I think? And what I think uh, is probably, as we made clear from, from this episode, is that um, there are really smart people on both sides, but I see why I think it's important. And... Um, I do think that the regular PSA 10 base cards are going to increase in population. And so the price on those will probably come down. But in the end, I don't think there's so many of them that they'll ever be worthless or worth what they were a couple of months ago. I actually think it's a pretty important card and I think it will continue to be worth uh, something. I think that the values on the other ones are up for debate, but I have a couple of the silvers and I'm, I'm holding them because I think that they're a really good card to have, and I think it's a really important, iconic card. So, But talking about values, who knows what will happen to them, especially because who knows what happens in the world right now with the coronavirus. All this stuff could be worth, could be worthless anytime. You never know where the values are going to go. So, I think cards um, are – I think it's a little bit weird how a piece of cardboard can be worth – like I know there's Jordans out there that in particular Nat has – Mm-hmm. that are million dollar cards yeah i mean i can't believe how a piece of cardboard can turn into so much money yeah but people spend a lot of money on a lot of weird things right you ever looked at like how much paintings are worth yeah i've looked at pens on um ebay once like old pens i saw one for up for like five million dollars i'm like for an old pen yeah and it's just like you said at the beginning of the episode you just like to collect stuff people like to collect all sorts of different things Coins, art. I know people who collect pins. Pins. Like, like 
paper clips sometimes. People named Aaron who collect pins. <laughs> I know um, people who collect paper clips. What kinds of questions do you have about the original prison? Um, We've talked about a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't find any um, questions, although, um, yeah, I can't really think of any questions. The last, um, do you remember? What, do you remember me telling you what um, that Panini Prism box sold for when I was uh, when I was doing when I was uh, when I got one the the one from my from Christmas? I think it was ninety dollars. Good memory, bud. That's exactly right. Um, one sold for, or they were they were selling for ninety to ninety five dollars when I was when I was younger. What's really cool is one of them sold, and I'm kind of delaying so I can find so I can find it. One of them sold last week uh, at at open auction. Ah, gosh, I can't find it. It's gone. I've got way too much stuff on my on my watch list. I think it was for about two thousand dollars. So do the math. Should I have bought? Um, should I have bought a lot of them when they were? Here it is, $2,126 for one box. Oh, and see, we were way off here. There's 20 cards in a pack, and there's six, sorry, pack. sorry, 20 packs in a box and six oh. cards in a pack. So yeah. it's 120 cards, not 24 packs, 20 packs times six. So remember how earlier I was saying like 150? It's 120 cards total. And of that 120 cards, you get two inserts, you get two autographs and on average two parallels. So you get 114 base cards in each box. You which is like forty. A ton. We should have bought a ton of it. We could have made a ton of money. That's why I wish there was such thing as a time machine. Just go back in time, buy all the Pokemon's cards, come forward. Hey, look at these. Wise advice from Aaron. Go and find a time machine. Um, Invent a time machine, please. I don't know if we have any scientists listening. There are a couple of really smart people who listen, though. So. Okay, you smart people. Is there anything you want to say to our smart listeners today? Um, no, not other than what I just said. I want to thank you guys for joining the Basketball Card Podcast today. Uh, I want to join my special guest, Aaron, who has so kindly come to us and told us all the things that he thinks about Prism and basketball cards and art and pens and everything else. Um, I'm grateful that you guys have listened to the to my spiel about 2012 Prism. I'm not recommending you go out and buy. I'm not recommending you go out and sell. But I do think it's a really important set in the history of basketball cards, and that's why I have elected to buy a lot of the a lot of the cards. In my top 20 cards, I believe three are from the original Prism set, um, and well, two of them are for sure. Uh, and then one might be around 21 or 22. But uh, it's a really important set, and I'm really grateful that we could talk about it today. And until next time, happy collecting.